You're listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White, and today's episode is about the impact and potential of health and wellness coaching. Now, I recently attended the Hercansa Conference on the Gold Coast, and it was so amazing. It showcased some of our leading innovators and more impactful coaches, and it also looked at the impact and potential of health and wellness coaching going forward. So I really wanted to summarise how our craft is at the cutting edge of health behaviour change in a whole pile of different contexts and to talk through what those are now and also to talk about how huge the opportunity is for you right now if you are a qualified health and wellness coach. I want to talk a bit about the conference, the award winners, the speakers and the networking opportunities that came up. Really, this conference was made possible by the incredible incredible work of Hakansa Chair Linda Fennell-Milner, whose tireless efforts, supported by the board and leadership team, ensured that everything ran like clockwork. If you attended, I'm sure we all agree it was an amazing event. The conference kicked off on the evening of the 2nd of June, a Thursday night, with a cocktail party, keynote address by Grant Schofield and an awards ceremony, which I was invited to emcee. So I'd like to talk briefly about that first. And really the goal of talking about the award winners is to showcase some of the movers and shakers in our industry in Australia and New Zealand and what they're doing. Firstly, Giovanna Stewart won Best Emerging Coach of the Year. Giovanna is a dietitian who's gaining success by combining dietetic expertise with client-focused coaching skill. And let me just say that Giovanna is one of several I know in this space. Amanda Manns is another person who is doing amazing things as a dietitian and coach. Secondly, we had Jala Dyer, who won Coach of the Year in a clinical setting. So Jala has developed a collaborative and creative platform for the most important chronic disease drivers that many in the community face, and it's now being shared across the wider community. So Jala has really done some important work in a clinical setting and working collaboratively, which is a great option for a lot of coaches is to work with other allied health professionals in managing chronic disease. Thirdly, we had Karina Morris, who graduated from Wellness Coaching Australia, who won the Health and Wellness Coach Advocacy Award. Karina's doing something a little bit different And it's very, very interesting and it's going to pave the way for a lot of us who are interested in working in disability. Karina is dedicated to truly serving a population in the disability community. She's showing both courage and leadership. And what I mean is she's striving to have health and wellness coaching recognised as a professional service within our National Disability Insurance Scheme, known as NDIS, and in a way that it can be funded under many parallel funding-based systems. So what this means is that currently there's no place for health and wellness coaching in the NDIS, but if it is approved as a profession, it means it will have a set hourly rate like an exercise physiologist would, and that it would be a dedicated number under which somebody could get funding within their NDIS plan. And it would be under the category of capacity building. So it's a really important thing that Karina is doing and will open the door for a lot of people to work within a recognised system and framework. 
And it's really great if you're worried about marketing and how to get clients and those sorts of things because if you're working within the NDIS system and you're registered and recognised as a provider, a professional services provider, then you'll be able to make connections with clients more easily and potentially tie up longer-term contracts. Number four was the Business Achievement Award, and this was won by the Change Room in Sydney. As you know, I'm a coach trainer with Wellness Coaching Australia, and some of our graduates work at the Change Room. They've successfully adapted to the challenge of COVID, and they've created and provided resources for the unprecedented issues that are arising right now for both individuals and organisations. So the Change Room has adapted to their use of technology to facilitate un- ongoing delivery of their core mission, supporting clients involved with return to work via insurance company funding. So the Change Room is doing amazing work. I suggest looking them up and seeing what sorts of things they do and offer. They've been a standout performer in our industry. Next is Health and Wellness Coach of the Year, and that was won by Sharon Tompkins. Sharon demonstrates commitment to to ongoing learning and training. She individualises her client programs according to needs and has engaged lots of different models of delivery and has been actively running community programs. She works collaboratively with other practitioners and shows leadership in her role of training health coaches as well. So Sharon has done incredibly well this year and made a big impact. And finally, we have Brad Holcomb, who's award was Outstanding Contribution to Health. And Brad is interesting because he's got his finger in many pies. He's a lovely person. He's an influencer across multiple layers, medical coaching and sports, and he's impacted many people on his journey from medical work to ski instructing and now to health coaching. So we've heard of some of the other award winners and how they're doing things and how they're impacting things. I think Brad being an influencer and having contact with so many people means he's very visible and that's really important for our industry right now. He's a director of urgent care clinic on the scopes of Mount Ruapehu ski fields and he led doctors, nurses and radiographers in providing high quality care in austere environments. He's run medical conferences to provide participants with more than just knowledge, but also to focus on their own well-being. And he's also a coach trainer with Precure in New Zealand. He's someone who walks the talk. So these were six award winners on the night. We had over 50 coaches nominated for these inaugural awards. And this was just a very brief summary of who's won and what they've done. But it just goes to show that there are so many ways that health and wellness coaches can have an impact. These were just a few. Now let's talk about some of the speakers. Friday uh, treated the audience to a jam-packed day with speakers from different realms sharing knowledge and innovation from the coaching front, and I wanted to really summarise what was discussed at the conference in this section. There were four sessions on the day, and the first one was about thinking big and exploring possibilities. And we started off with Michael Arlosky, who talked about how important it is for us as coaches to deepen our craft. And he actually discussed the concept of craftsmanship, which is very close to my own heart. Michael said that in the face of global wellbeing challenges that our clients face, 
We can double down by focusing on masterful coaching and stay within our scope of practice. It's obviously really tempting to want to learn about lots of different diseases and specialty aspects, but by being a great coach, we can truly help people. Practice, patience and presence are required to become good at what we do and focusing on these things will help us to deliver incredible value to our clients. I think Michael is also doing a version of this talk in other places at the moment, so keep your eyes peeled. And it also talks about a book that he's just released. Paul Taylor was next. We were very lucky to have Paul. He's a renowned speaker in Australia and he presented a summary of his book, Death by Comfort. And his angle was that modern life is killing us and we need to get out of our comfort zone. Paul discussed some of the latest research about the benefits of uncomfortable things like exercise, cold therapy and heat therapy and how they can truly improve quality of life and longevity. So if anybody in the health and wellness coaching space is looking to expand their health knowledge and literacy of the latest research, I encourage you to have a look at what Paul Taylor is doing and his book, Death by Comfort. Next, we had Susie Carmack from the US who talked about creating value as a coach and about building your personal brand and business with a portfolio career. And if you're not aware of that term, a portfolio career is the idea that you can have multiple income streams as part of your profession as a coach. And she also talked about organizing your days and working in batches to be able to juggle those different hats and avoid burnout. Susie talks at length about how she works in various capacities in her own life and exactly what she does to succeed. So if you're looking at a portfolio where you have different roles as a coach, you might want to check out Susie Carmack's work. In session two, we had <clears throat> the chance to hear speakers talking about exemplars of partnerships from the field. They were all quite different. And we heard from Grant Schofield, Troy Morgan, Dr. Sandra Scheinbaum, B. Pennington and Samantha McBride. These speakers illustrated the various ways that coaches can build and leverage partnerships to build their businesses and have an impact. And partnerships are so important, especially if you're not confident in marketing or if you truly want to build long-term relationships with people. You really have to be engaged in a partnership model of some sort, whether it's with your client, whether it's with a company or somebody who supplies a company. One thing is definitely clear from this session for me. As a coach, you need to engage your target market and build relationships there, no matter who that target market is, whether it's a company or a business or an HR department or Joe Average, Joe Public. We really need to understand their needs and, and we partner with them to do that. And we have to do that before we try going in to sell anything. It's truly relationships that give coaching a platform to shine and make a difference. It's the relationships that we have that help us to understand the need, that help us to open the door and provide a really good fit uh, with our solution. Just to talk about a couple of presenters from that section, Troy Morgan discussed two ways to succeed in corporate. Firstly, to develop strong partnerships with all stakeholders. And, you know, just to illustrate what I was just discussing, he talked about going into a corporate setting and making partnerships with the leaders, the managers, the health and safety people, the workers, HR, 
and perhaps other service providers. So there's a lot of relationship building work that you can do to really embed yourself in a company. And secondly, he talks about collecting data and presenting data that proves the impact and the value of the work that you're doing. So it's one thing to go in and offer services, but it's totally another to improve, to prove the impact that they're having. So collecting data is so critical. And I will, I've talked about this on the podcast before, and I'm definitely going to be doing more episodes in this area. So if you do those two things, according to Troy, build those strong partnerships and collect data to prove the impact and value of what you're doing, then that's going to make you indispensable within an organisation. Another type of partnership that we heard about was really interesting, and that was from Sam McBride. Samantha McBride set up the Men's Shed in New Zealand, and it's a particularly interesting example of how to engage men with the idea of health behaviour change. Just saying with a little bit of beer and a lot of engaging outdoor activities, Sam and her co-presenter talked about the project that they initiated last year and why it was a success. So if anybody listening to this is interested in working with men around behaviour change and how to engage them, check out what, what they're doing with the Men's Shed in New Zealand. It's actually called Men's Muster, I think. I've said Men's Shed, but I think it's actually called Men's Muster. My apologies for that. From there, we went into session three, which was about breaking business ground. So I spoke in this session alongside David Carroll, Philippa Flowerday and Michelle Yandel. And we all discussed different ways that coaches can establish thriving businesses in a variety of contexts. We explored different models to create income and add value and discussed coaching success in organisations, workplaces, communities and solo businesses. David talked about the skills that you need to develop as a coach to be successful in business, and a lot of this was around specific marketing skills. So David Carroll is an adult learning and development specialist and a business coach, and I highly recommend checking out his free talks that he does from time to time on LinkedIn. Philippa Flowerday works at The Change Room in Sydney, and she talked about coaching in an employed capacity. So her discussion was really interested for people who are engaged and employed as coaches. Michelle Yandel talked about a unique model called empowered eating that she's developed based in ancient wisdom of her ancestors and which is relevant to the issues upstream of eating, including family and belonging and spirituality. I talked about different coaches who are succeeding in different contexts. And in that session overall, I think a key message is that being specific about the problem that you want to solve is the best and easiest way to build your business and have an impact. Because when you're specific about what you do and who you help, it becomes so much easier to buy from you. And you need to have the right skills to be able to talk about what you're doing to the right audiences. In session four, the final session, we heard from speakers who are inspiring best practice and stepping into new specialty fields. This is really interesting. We heard from Dr. Cam McDonald, Siobhan Conn, Sarah Rusbatch and Fiona Cosgrove about cutting edge research and emerging niches in coaching. 
Cam discussed the power of combining coaching and technology, focusing on how we're extremely variable as individuals in terms of what's best for us in terms of exercise, nutrition, psychology and medical needs, and how digital metrics can identify and even predict the need of individuals so as to help them fine-tune their habits and protocols in these areas. It was a really interesting talk, kind of along the same lines as the one I mentioned by Troy Morgan earlier. And Cam actually runs uh, some training courses that you may be interested in in learning about individualised habit formation, I guess you could say. Next, we heard from Siobhan, who was talking about trauma-informed care, what it means and how to work with it and manage your own triggers as a coach. And this is really timely and topical in light of what's happened with the pandemic. And I love the way Siobhan explained the signs of a dysregulated nervous system, which could be stuck on or stuck off, and the language that someone might use in either state. So that, that sort of language and those signs are things that a coach could use to identify a need for referral or what sort of support they might need specifically. Really, really interesting talk. So if you're interested in trauma-informed coaching, you might want to check out the work of Siobhan Conn. Sarah Rusbatch was a really standout speaker because she told her story and she outlined how and why her grey area drinking practice has skyrocketed in the past 14 months, including sharing of her personal story behind the journey to become a grey area drinking coach. Her presentation really hit home and she got a lot of questions and commendations about her work. I highly recommend if you're interested in grey area drinking for yourself as a client or to learn what Sarah's doing to check out her website or her, her Facebook group. She runs grey area drinking challenges, sobriety challenges every few months. We finished the day with Fiona Cosgrove who discussed her PhD research into the development and care of health and wellness coaching, coaches, sorry. And she's identified in that research four key areas that changed for coaches that she studied as they were going through their coaching training journey. So what she realized is that as a coach goes through their coach training, they develop more self-knowledge and acceptance as one key area. They also develop better relationships. They also develop professional optimism. And finally, personal health and wellness. So it's not just personal health and wellness that we gain by training as coaches. It's all these other areas of life that improve for us. So I feel that Fiona's was a really fitting final session that pulled together the essence of the conference, that health and wellness coaching has important impacts on both coaches and clients in terms of their physical, mental and emotional health. Finally, there were so many networking opportunities at this conference. If you listen to my earlier podcasts about the opportunities that come up in, in conferences for you professionally, uh, you might like to go back and revisit that. In fact, there were some really invaluable connections for everyone who attended. I was the MC on the Thursday evening, so I didn't get to talk to many people, unfortunately, but I did invite everyone to introduce themselves to someone they hadn't met before and to forge new connections. By Friday, the ice was well and truly broken. Everyone was eagerly swapping contact details and sharing ideas in the breaks and in between speaking sessions. 
several people were discussing opportunities to work together or to try the services of someone else. So there was some really significant cross-pollination and the generation of new ideas. It was interesting in the Q&A sections of the speakers, at the end of the speakers sections too, that audience members had the chance to ask questions that were really important to them for progressing their own coaching skills or practices. So in my mind, the next conference that we have should have more of those Q&A style panels because I think it's through the ability to ask questions in that public forum that we all learn and all get to think through our ideas. So to wrap up this episode, the recent Hakanza conference was a huge success. It was an event that brought coaches together. It showcased new and innovative research in our field, and it highlighted coaches who are breaking ground and having an impact. Furthermore, the conference showed that success is available for all who are qualified in this field. And I would highly recommend that you look up some of those speakers that I might have mentioned or those award winners and be curious. If you want to develop your own business and your own practice, see what's being done out there. Look to others as role models or to see how you might have your own take on some of the things that are being done. Learning from other people in our industry and staying connected is so important for our growth and professionalism as an industry. Thanks for listening again today. I look forward to seeing you next time and bye for now.